Well, we're talking about freshening up our faith. I'm going to end this little mini-series this morning we've been talking about. And we're really speaking out to those times in our life when we just don't feel a connection with God. It's happened to us all. But sometimes it gets pronounced. Sometimes we just really don't feel the joy of our salvation anymore. And it doesn't mean that we don't love God anymore. It doesn't mean we believe any less in him. But, but we're just, for some reason, we're disconnected. We feel an emptiness, a separation, a hole. We just don't feel the presence of God. Now, we've been talking about why that's so. And the reason that normally that's so is for one of two reasons. One either is we are engaged in willful sin. And, and when we're engaged in willful, unconfessed sin, that separates us in our relationship from God. We can't have joy. So if that's the case, then we need to confess that sin and restore the joy of our salvation. But the other reason is sometimes we, we, we just plateau. We get stagnant in our Christian experience. There's nothing new about our relationship with Christ. There's nothing new about us. And what is easy in our, our very hectic schedules is we find ourselves kind of just getting stuck in a spiritual, a religious routine. And, and, you know, if Jesus spoke against anything, he spoke against religiosity, of just being religious, just going through the motions, just checking the boxes. Now, whenever that happens and we stop growing in our relationship with God, in our spiritual life, then what happens is we lose our spiritual joy. Now, we've been talking about helping those who find themselves in that situation. A lot of you have because I've had a lot of feedback over the last couple of weeks saying, Pastor, thank you. This is exactly where I'm at. This is exactly what I need. We found that the secret to spiritual joy is to understand and embrace, because it just can't be here. It's got to be played out in our everyday life, what it means to give God the glory. As we live our life, to the glory of God, not ourselves, not material things, but to the glory of God, we put ourselves in the process of spiritual growth. Staying in the process of spiritual growth is what gives joy to the Christian experience. So we're talking about how can we recapture that spiritual joy? How can we get to a better place than we are in our relationship with Christ right now? How do we glorify God? Well, last week we looked at three ways. It all starts by trusting Christ as our Savior. If we've never trusted Christ as our Savior, it's impossible to glorify God because trusting him with our eternal soul is where it all starts. And so Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, it's just believing that that's true and, and that I can't get there by living a good enough life and I can't there, get there by hooking up with the right church or denomination, that I just have to put my faith in Jesus Christ and I've got to understand that without Jesus, I am helpless and I'm hopeless. And so we, we believe in him. Jesus said in John 5, 24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He's crossed over from life to death. Then we looked at last week, another way that we live to the glory of God is by aiming our lives at his glory. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10.31, he says, so whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Here was my big challenge to you as we left last week, the services, if you were here, is to live your life to God's glory. 
You're going back to work the next day. Well, when you get up, instead of just, you know, saying, oh, I got to go to work again, say, hey, today's an opportunity for me to go to work and live to God's glory. We started school last week. I challenged our students and those who are going back to college even, say, hey, go back to school tomorrow and live to God's glory. And so we looked at several different ways that we can aim our life at living to his glory. If you missed it last week, you can go online and, and catch up, or you can get a CD after the service at a resource table. Then we also talked about last week that we give God glory by confessing our sin. You know, Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, when they sinned against God and ate of that fruit from the tree that was in the middle of the garden, as God instructed them not to do, when God came down, Adam blamed Eve and Eve blamed the serpent, and both were blaming God. And so we need to confess our sin. We need to take responsibility, not say, God, you know, you, why did you put that temptation in front of me? Or, or why did you give me that boss? Or why these kids, they, they're the ones that drive me crazy. We blame God. See, we need to confess it and say, God, this is, this is my doing. This is my issue. And, and, and God, I've offended you, and I want to confess that. And the Bible promises us in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, anything that we do. Now, I want to pick up this theme today as we close out this mini sin. and how do we glorify God? How else can we bring glory to God so that we are staying in the process of spiritual growth? Now, notice, except for trusting Christ as our Savior, these aren't any special order. We can take every one of these areas that we're learning about every day and glorify God. The more we live to glorify God, understand this, don't miss this, the more we live every day to glorify God, the more spiritual joy we're going to experience. Just mark it down. It's true. You test me in this and see if it isn't true. You do what we're talking about and you'll see. So how else can we glorify God besides trusting him as our savior, besides aiming our life at his glory and confessing sin? Well, we glorify God when we obey him. Now this would seem fundamental, but it's not so easy. Jesus said in John 14, 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he says, he, that's the guy, that's the girl. He's the one who loves me. Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do, don't do what I say? He's crying, he says, you come to church and you sing songs about me and you, you say, Jesus is Lord of my life and, and all this kind of stuff. And he says, why do you do that and yet, you don't do the things I tell you to do. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said it this way in James 1.22. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. He says, what? Do what it says. See, we, we glorify God by obeying him. We'll say, well, what does that look like? What do you mean obeying God? Well, there's a lot of things. Scripture reveals to us things that God has commanded us to do. Let's just take the two greatest commandments. Let's see how we're doing there in obeying him. Remember, Jesus in his life, when come by a religious leader, a, a, a expert in the religious law of the day, and he says, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus replied immediately. He said, here's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. That, that's the greatest commandment. Okay, so ask yourself, what did I do this week to glorify God by trusting him with, and, and by trusting him with all my heart, all my mind, all my strength? 
How did we, how did we obey that of all the commands? You know, the first commandment of, of the Ten Commandments is, is, that, is that you shall have no other God before me. Well, I wonder, have we obeyed that? Have we obeyed that commandment? Or have we put so many other things in front of God this week? So, so how have we loved him? Are we doing that? Are we living our life to, that, that, to, to, to love him and to, and to serve him with all our heart and all our mind and all our strength, all our soul? Then the second greatest commandment immediately he gave was what? He says, and another commandment I give you, he says that you love one another as I have loved you. So the two greatest commands, if we, we could just stop right there and just say, greatest command, love God, love others. How are we doing in that? How are we every day glorifying God by loving God and by loving others? But then, you know, he talks about regular church attendance. The book of Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as some are in the habit of doing. See, see we glorify God every time we come here. Because we're glorifying with our time and we're glorifying with our heart and our attitude of wanting to learn more about him. And so when, when, when we don't attend and when church is just an option in our weekly schedule, then we're not bringing glory to God. We're not obeying what he said to do. See, he wants us here because we need to be here. Remember, all the stuff that he commands us to do is for our good. It's for our benefit. Things like let your light shine. One of our church values is share your story. And Jesus said, you know, you're the light of the world. Let your light shine. In other words, we need to allow others to find Jesus Christ through us. We need to live the kind of life that attracts their attention to Jesus Christ. We need to be bold in our faith and invite people to church and tell them about our faith and, and be willing to witness about what Christ has done in our life. That's letting our light shine, not being secret agents for Jesus Christ. Pray without ceasing, he says. Where's our prayer life? What that means is that we should live daily in an attitude, in a relationship of oneness with God. We ought to wake up in the morning, thank God that we had that day, and we were able to get out of bed, and we're brushing our teeth, and, and we ought to be on the way to work, just, just talking to him, and all through work, taking time. See, we need to live our relationship with him. When we do that, trust me, we have spiritual joy. Now, here's a big one. How about forgive? Over and over and over again, Jesus says he commands us to be a forgiving people, not to harbor resentment. Forgive even those who, who, who persecute us and those who abuse us and those who offend us. Je Jesus said, you know, if you don't forgive others, then I'm, I'm not going to forgive you. And so all these things are important. He says, obey. You want to live to my glory? He says, obey what I've commanded you to do. Look what Jesus said in, in Luke 6, 47, 48. He says, I'll show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice. He says, now here's the result. Here's what will happen if you actually hear what I command and do it. He says, he's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, that torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. In other words, Jesus says this. He says, if you not just listen to my words, but if you put them into practice, if you obey what I teach you to do, then here's what's going to happen. When life comes and the storms of life hit you, and they're going to hit us all. Some of you are getting hit and hard by them right now. But you won't get shaken. You'll have that 
that presence of God there in a very real way. You'll have the peace of God. You'll have the power of God. You'll have the presence of God to carry you through it. And those things won't even rob you of your spiritual joy. You'll have the spirit of joy. That's why James said, count it all joy when you experience all kinds of different testings. But it comes with obedience. Then we glorify God by trusting him. Now, this is kind of a continuation of obedience, but it goes even a step further. In Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, it's one thing to obey, and that's a challenge, I understand it, revealed commandments of God that he reveals to us in his word. But it's another thing to go on and trust him in certain areas that just aren't natural for us to trust him in. Things like, Jesus said, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Some of you may be single and, 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 and you're, you're really wanting to, to get married and you're wanting to, to find that, that, that spouse, someone to, to share life with. Well, one of the early commandments uh, you know, Jesus says is, listen, when you're shopping, don't get hooked up with an unbeliever. Someone who doesn't Trust Christ, someone who has no value in a relationship with God. And there's a reason for that, because it's going to cause all kinds of chaos down the road. But, you know, when we're in love and we're lonely, and you know, it's so easy to compromise and say, well, but I see the potential in him. I see the potential in her. And, and if I live the right kind of life, then they'll come to faith someday. See, we need to trust God in our relationships. We say, God, I want this so bad, but I'm going to trust that when you say don't get hooked up with an unbeliever, I'm not going to do it. Also the same as in business. Oftentimes we're going to go into business. We're going to start a business. And and the same thing is true there. Don't get unequally yoked to an unbeliever in a business deal. And creating a business. Why? Because there's going to be competing values. And I've seen it over and over again, counseling people who have got into businesses with unbelievers, and there's a train wreck every time someplace. See, we need to trust God and say, okay, God, you're saying that because it's going to benefit me. It's going to give me spiritual joy. And so I'm going to trust you, even though right now it's real hard because I think I'm in love. Or right now, boy, this looks like a great business deal. God, I'm going to trust you. And things like Jesus said, give and it shall be given to you. This is one of the hardest areas for believers to get, is giving of our tithes at 10%, our offerings to the Lord. See, people, and some of you even right now, anytime I even mention it, some people get angry. Boy, you just get, you know, you bristle up. I, I didn't make this up. This isn't. Tokarology. Over and over again, Jesus talks all about this. He, sa- he says, given it will be given to you. Challenge in the Old Testament to the, to the nation of Israel was bring the whole tithe in the, the storehouse and, and test me in this, God said. See if I won't open the windows of heaven a blessing to you. Jesus said, you know, don't be deceived. Whatsoever a man sows, that he also reaps over and over again. Jesus said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Over and over again. He's saying, trust me in this. And see, we trust him by actually doing it. Stepping out in faith. And it's hard to do. It was hard for me to do. 
And it's one of the hardest steps a believer takes, but it's one of the most important steps a believer takes in living to the glory of God, in capturing that spiritual joy. How, promptings of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will prompt you to do something that you would never think about. Maybe it's take a mission trip. How many folks I've talked about who have gone some of our missions trip, boy, they said, I, I never thought I'd go on a missions trip. But for some reason, they heard us advertising the next mission trips, whether it was Haiti or Ecuador or Africa or wherever we go. And, they were, and folks have said to me, they said, boy, I just knew the Holy Spirit was telling me to go. And I didn't want to go. I didn't think I could afford to go. I, I had no ever desire to do that. I'm scared of flying. But you know what? When we trust the Holy Spirit, every person who's ever gone on one of those trips, who's shared that testimony, has come back filled with joy, filled with the joy of God working through them and in their lives. Sometimes the Holy Spirit prompts us to, to reach out to somebody else, and we go, oh, man, I can't reach out to that person. That, that person is obnoxious, and that person is hateful. I can't reach out. The Holy Spirit says, you go talk to them. And when we trust God and we go talk and we follow the Holy Spirit, then sometimes we're amazed I remember we were out witnessing that at summer camp. I went to a church camp, and part of that camp uh, was that they would take you, and, and you'd just go up and down the uh, streets and knock on doors, and this was back when you could do that. I wouldn't recommend it today. But we used to share faith, and my friend and I were walking down the street one day, and we saw this big, burly guy coming down. I mean, he was one of these really ripped-out, strong-looking guys. And we looked at each other and said, uh-uh. But then the Holy Spirit said, no, I talked to him. Talked to him. And so we stopped him on the street and we started talking to him. And immediately we find out he's a boxer. And I'm going, okay, time to check out now. This is not going to go good. But you know what? We ended up talking to that guy. And unbelievably, right there in the street, we were able to lead him to Christ. See, it's when we trust the Holy Spirit. And it can be a thousand different things. But at some point in our life, the Holy Spirit says, listen, I want you to get out of your comfort zone. I'm going to stretch you a little bit. I'm going to take you someplace you've never been before. And we give glory to God, and we build our spiritual joy when we say yes. See, that's trusting God. Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 39, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Again, everything God calls us to do, obey his commands, trust him, trust the Holy Spirit, it's for our benefit. Because we're so locked into this life, this 50, 60, 70 years, whatever we have, that we forget that there's a life after this life, and that's eternity. That's forever and ever and ever and ever. And that's why Jesus says, Live your life getting ready for eternity, not just here. See, life is preparation for eternity. We glorify God by producing much fruit. Now, Jesus said that. I, I didn't throw that in there. Jesus said in John 15, 8, he said, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. In fact, he says that's how one of the ways people understand that you're really one of my kids, one of my disciples, when you're really hooked in with God, is that you bear much fruit, not just a little fruit, but much fruit. And again, 
this bearing fruit plays an enormous part in our eternal rewards, as does obeying him, as does trusting him, as does confessing our sin. Understand this about you and God. God wants to reward you eternally like you can't imagine. I mean, just heaven. Scripture says that that eye has never seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the imagination of the heart the glories that God's preparing for those of us who love him. We, we, we can't even begin to imagine and understand about this God. God has a passion, not just a passing fancy, a passion to lavish eternal rewards on every one of us. But there's criteria for that. There's not criteria for salvation. The criteria for salvation is only faith in Jesus Christ. But after that, for how we live out our eternal experience, that depends on what we're doing, what we're talking about today. So he said, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Well, there's a couple kinds of fruit the Bible talks about. One is action fruit. Those are the things that we do that produce fruit. Things like serving. You know, every member of this church should be serving in some ministry within the church. Somewhere. And it doesn't have to be time-consuming. We have a lot of ministries, like we have our greeting ministry here, where people just come. And when you came in today, somebody shook your hand. And one of the things I hear from guests all the time is that this is a friendly church. I came there, and boy, I just got bombarded by people saying hello and shaking my hand. Well, that's a ministry, see? And that bears eternal fruit. Uh, other things, you know, being an usher, handing out bulletins, or, or working in the nursery, or working in children's ministry, or a WANA program. What, whatever it is, serving the Lord produces fruit that will have its yield in eternity. We do it, again, by sharing. Sharing our faith with others. That's, that's producing fruit, like, like my friend Lee and I did with that boxer walking down the street that day. We shared our faith. That yielded eternal fruit. He trusted Christ. One day, we'll see him again in heaven. And when we see him again in heaven, we'll have our glorified bodies, and I'll look like Edith. I'll, have that. I'll be ripped out again. See, by sharing, sacrificing. Again, periodically, not all the time, and I thank the Lord for that, because that would be so overwhelming. But periodically, God calls us to sacrifice for him. Sacrifice of time, sacrifice of money, a sacrifice of, of, of our own comfort, sacrifice of getting out of our comfort zone, getting out of that cocoon and doing something new where the Holy Spirit leads us to go, as we just talked about. See, those are all action fruits, the things that we do that have an eternal consequence to them for the kingdom of Christ. Then there's attitude fruit, too. And this is something that we can work on every day. We can glorify God in the production of attitude fruit. In Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, this is what should come out of us. This is what should characterize our life. This is how people should see us when we're living to the glory of God, when we're living out the fruit of the Spirit of God who lives in us. And there are things like love, See, whenever I act lovingly, I'm producing fruit. Joy. When I'm enduring those hard times with joy, like James says, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. See, when I live with joy and I'm thanking God, 
I'm producing fruit. Peace, when I'm a peacemaker, and I'm not the one causing problems and dissension, and I'm the other person. I'm the person trying to bring people together. See, peacemakers, what did Jesus say in the Beatitudes? He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Things like patience. You know, whenever you, you buy into patience and you don't respond to somebody, and, and, and some of us, that's a hard one. This is a challenge for me. Is it a challenge for you? Sometimes I, I, you know, I, I just lose patience sometimes. And I have to remind myself that when I stop and I produce the attitude fruit of patience, I'm living to the glory of God. You know, I, I, I'm one of these guys that can get real upset about, about customer service. And I don't know, it's just one of those things for me. Some of you don't, it doesn't bother. Well, last night, Estelle and I, someone gave us some free tickets, and we went to the Dolphin game, and they kicked up, they booted out the Cowboys last night. Go Dolphins. And going in, I, you know, they have all these new rules and regulations going into the thing. We had binoculars that we brought, and they were in a case. Well, I didn't know you're not allowed to bring a case into the stadium anymore. Anything you bring into the stadium, and this is helpful to you if you ever go to a game, has to be in a plastic bag so they can see it. So I go up to the gate, and we both have these binocular cases, and, and the guy, we go through, and he says, the, the first people let us in. So we got through the gate, and we're walking in, and all of a sudden, this guy says, stop. He says, oh, oh you can't bring those in. And immediately, my flesh, I, I'm going to admit to you, my flesh welled up. And I was going to say, well, the cop outside said we can't. Those people at the gates, we said, who do you say? I was, well, was going to go into it, you know. You wouldn't believe that about me, would you? <laughs> but don't test me, because I might have a bad day. But you know what? Instead of that, and, and I, that was where I was going inside. And I thought about living to the glory of God. And so I said, oh, all right, sir, we understand. I said, listen, can we, this case really is a cheap case. I don't care. Can I just leave it with you instead of going all the way back to the car? You can throw it away. And he said, yeah, that's fine. And so, you know, I started undoing it. He said, wait a minute. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to work this gate all night long. And so I'm going to keep these for you. Because you haven't responded like everyone else does. Everyone gets all mouthy and cops an attitude. And he said, because you didn't do that. I'm going to just save these, and you come and see me on the way out, and I'll give these cases back to you. See? see? You know, the, the little things, instead of causing a scene, those little things like that, that's patience. That's living to the glory of God. Things like kindness, when we're kind, when we're good, when we're faithful, when we're gentle, when we, when we exercise self-control, all of that is producing fruit. And what Jesus say? This is to my Father's glory, that you produce much fruit. But the awesome thing is, is he gives us so many opportunities to produce fruit that the much fruit really isn't a challenge at all. Just in our attitude fruit, we can live a life that stores up treasure for us in heaven. We can live a life that glorifies God by producing much fruit. We glorify God by thanking him. That, that seems so automatic, doesn't it? But it's not. Because we, we live in this life where we want more. We want the next thing. And often, we, we end up, I was just talking with one of our, our great guys here at church this morning who, who was saying to me, oftentimes, you know, we're treating God like a genie. We just want the next thing. God, give me, give me, give me, give me. God, do this for me, God. You know? And we don't thank him for everything we already have. 
The psalmist said in Psalm 107, verse 15, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Philippians 4.12, Paul says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything who's him who gives me strength. In other words, Paul says, I can do everything. I can live poor. I can live rich. I can live in need. I can live with all my, my, my needs met. I can do it all. Why? Because of him who gives me strength. And really what he's saying is thank you. And that's what we need to say. We need to thank God. When we thank God for what we have, we're glorifying him. Because we're just not trying to get the next thing. We're not trying to manipulate God to our favor. We're just saying, God, thank you for everything. If you never do another thing for me, God, I have no recall. I have no other response than just to thank you for everything you've already done. How thankful are we? Just being thankful will produce spiritual joy. See, that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, it doesn't matter what my circumstances are, because if I'm thankful for whatever my circumstance, then, then I don't lose my joy. I just give it to God and say, God, I can do it. Through you, I can do it. We glorify God by praising him. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that next week, not related to this message, but the whole service is going to center around this. But I, I glorify God when I praise him. Psalm 86, 9 says, All the nations you have made will come and worship before you. O Lord, they will bring glory to your name. The psalmist gets it. See, he understands that, that one day, everyone is going to praise God. The atheists, the agnostics, the God-haters, everyone is going to give glory to God. They're going to praise him. Philippians says, God has given him, Jesus, a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus... Every knee will bow of things in heaven, things on earth, and things under the earth. That means heaven, here on earth, and even those under there, those in hell. And every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, it's going to happen. But now we do it. And when we really do it, it produces for us spiritual joy. Psalm 86, 12, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Do you realize that the only thing that we'll do in eternity that we do right now in this whole church experience is praise God? We won't do offerings anymore because we'll live with the king and he'll have no need of our funds to further his kingdom. We won't have sermons anymore. We'll have all knowledge. God will impart to us all knowledge, and we will live with him. He'll be our God here on earth. See, but the one thing we'll do for all eternity is we will praise him. In prayer, we can praise him here. And we should praise him. And that's why it says pray without ceasing all day long. We should be praising him in prayer. Thank you, God, I'm going to this job. It's, it's a hard job, and it's a tough job, and my boss is just unreasonable and everything, but God, I've got a job when so many people don't have a job. I praise you, God, that I have this job. I praise you that I do have a car, and it's, it's on its last leg, and, and God, I praise you that it's running today. I pray, whatever, we just pray to him. 
and praise him. In our study, whenever we take time to do what you're doing today, you're coming to learn more about God. And during the week, when you read your Bibles, do you realize that that's an act of praise to God? What you're saying is, God, I cherish your word. I cherish our relationship. I want to know more about you, God. I'm praising you by taking time out of my day right now to read your word, to study your word. By singing, we have an amazing opportunity for people to come and sing and praise God and worship here. Three different styles here at our church. You you can do traditional like we do in this service, or you can come and do it in a contemporary fashion in the next service, or you can even come and rock out. We rock the flock at noon. You can do whatever way you want. But we have an amazing opportunity to praise God. But so often, what do we do? We come in and we go through the motions. I caught myself this morning. I'm over here, I'm, I'm, I'm singing up here before I came up this morning, and I was singing these songs, I'm looking around, and I'm saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're going through the motions right now, Pete. And then I stopped, and I connected with the Lord, and I began not to just sing songs, I began to sing songs to him. That beautiful song we ended with, without him I can do nothing, and oh, the truth of that rings through my life. I sang, Jesus, Jesus. See, when we really engage and not just go through the motions, because that's what we do when we first start the service, and then we have the announcements, and, and then we sing some more. See, we get religious. God hates religion. What God loves is relationship. Praise Him and proclaim it again and sharing Him with our coworkers and our neighbors being proud of who we are in Jesus Christ. Now, as we live to the glory of God, we put ourselves in the process of spiritual growth. Now, the reason we lose our spiritual joy is because we get stagnant. There's nothing new happening. There's no positive movement. There's no growth. We're just kind of existing where we've been existing for a long time. And whenever we get to that point, we lose our spiritual joy. So as we live to God's glory by all these things we've talked about last week and this morning, we put ourselves in the process of spiritual growth. Now here's the key. Staying in that process. Not just doing them for the next couple days or the next couple weeks because we just had a sermon series on it, but embracing this now. Making this a part of the rest of our lives. Keeping these notes. Going back to it. Reviewing it. Living it out Every day, as we stay in the process of spiritual growth, I promise you this, your spiritual joy will return and it will well up and you will have freshened your faith. God wants to do that for you. He wants to do it with you. He really does. He loves you. Get up and get going again. Live to the glory of God, consciously, purposely, energetically, prayerfully, boldly. Let's bow our heads. Father, you do hate religion. And we as an entire race, mankind, we as your creation have created many religious systems And we fight over those systems. 
We've committed atrocities in your name over those systems. And that's why if Jesus was clear about anything, it was how much he hated religion. And yet, God, we fall into that. And it's so easy to do it. We fall into religiosity, just, just going through the motions. And then we wonder why we have no spiritual joy. We wonder why we're so tempted to just give it all up and abandon it. We, we're, we wonder why we're so tempted to think this whole Christianity thing doesn't work. Well, yes, it does. It doesn't work because we have abandoned the fundamental foundation of our faith, and that is living to your glory. Everything in creation was created to give you glory. And in return, God, you give us so much. So my prayer right now for the man, the woman who's here today, that believer who's living a flatlined life, no growth, no joy, nothing new, just existing spiritually, who has lost his joy, who has lost her joy. God, I pray right now that they will confess that to you. And Lord, that right now, they'll rededicate their life to living to your glory. Because as we live to your glory, we start growing again. And as long as we stay in that process of growth, God, we'll have joy no matter what our circumstances are. We love you, God, and we want our lives to honor you. Change us, make us new. Allow us to leave here with a new purpose, with a fresh step, a fresh heart, and a fresh relationship with you. To your glory, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. To God's glory, we live to the glory of God. You do this now, like James said, don't merely listen to it. Don't go home and say, my, my, that was an interesting sermon. Go home and say, wow, if I do that, I'm going to have a life-changing experience. My life will be different. I'll have joy in my life again. Our ushers are going to come, and we have the opportunity to exercise our faith right now. We have an opportunity to trust God by giving of our tithes and our offerings to him right now. This is treasure stored up for you in heaven. This is part of that joy that God will give. Father, we do pray that you'll bless our gifts now as we give them to you. And Lord, that you will use them to, to help others find their way to you. Through this church and our ministries here locally and through our support of missionaries and churches around the world. God, use our gifts now for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.